That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. What's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymond, and you're listening to That Sober Guy podcast where we talk about drugs, alcohol, recovery, and some other fun shit as well. We also like to think we help some people stay sober. And uh, I know this show has helped me stay sober over the last five years. And uh, if that's all it's done, it's definitely done its job. Um, today we're talking with Nick Rucker. And uh, Nick's a veteran both of uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, with 10, 10 years of service under his belt, he's now off active duty and he's transitioned to the National Guard. Uh, Nick's also a country music, uh, country musician based out of Omaha, Nebraska. And he travels throughout the year playing shows all around the country. Uh, he's been sober for almost three years. And you can check out his music at nickruckercountry.com. And uh, we'll be sure to put those links and uh, links to his uh, social media and website all in, in, uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, before we get to Nick, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. And uh, you can also connect with us on Instagram, at RealThatSoberGuy, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Let's talk about Foundations Recovery Network real quick. We've been working with Foundations uh, since 2016. Uh, you know, we get to go out and uh, do podcasting and connect with some great people at, at their conferences throughout the year, and they really are some great people. Uh, now, we all know finding the right treatment for addiction and mental health illness uh, can be tough, and uh, you don't know who to go to, where to turn. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, organizations out there, and it's really important that you find one that, uh, that, you, can, that you can trust and uh, that has a, a great reputation, and that's why we've continued to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, they stay true to their mission. They hold high ethical standards, and uh, they provide treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. Um, as part of the vision, they built the industry's leading research and outcomes program to study and improve how uh, we're fulfilling this commitment to each patient, their loved ones, uh, and, of course, meeting their personal goals. Uh, I promise you'll be taken care of, and if you want uh, a great resource, you can call Foundations Recovery Network. To learn more, uh, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash soberguy, uh, or you can also call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER, and you can talk with an admissions coordinator uh, about treatment options. Uh, real quick, uh, to, we get a lot of questions about early sobriety. What do I do? Where do I go? Uh, what don't I do? Uh, I always like to say this. I definitely don't have all the answers. I know what's worked for me and what hasn't worked for me. And I've heard, uh, you know, some other people share their stories as well. And that's why we put together a podcast video course called How to Navigate the First 90 Days of Sobriety. Uh, we got a bunch of my uh, good friends and colleagues together to share certain experiences, to share what worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, uh, and really talk about recovery. Uh, you can get that course uh, by going to thatsoberguide.com and clicking on courses. There's a promo code where you can get it for half off, uh, and you just type that in the promo box at checkout, half off. Uh, and then also, uh, and it's great too that, that we're having Nick on today, who's a veteran himself. We give this course away for free to all veterans. Uh, we love our veterans. We love our active duty as well uh, in the military, and we always want to support them. And so if you are a veteran out there and you're trying to get sober, or you're trying to stay sober, or you have a loved one who's a veteran who's trying to get some help out there, and you want something to kind of start you off on that path, 
Um, you can DM me on Instagram at real that sober guy for details. Uh, we'll chat a little bit and then I'll hook you up with the promo code where you can get that course for free. And once again, that's that sober and click on courses. All right, Nick Rucker. Welcome my friend from Omaha, Nebraska and minus 20 degrees out there today. What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> hey Shane, how's it going? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, super cold. Uh, the coldest I think I've ever experienced. So, <laughs> yeah. What's up with that? Like all of a sudden there was just like this massive cold front that moved in uh from uh what is it the arctic or i don't know how the hell i'm not a weatherman but somewhere man yeah. it's like arctic weather they they called it a polar vortex and i just didn't want to be a part of it you know but unfortunately <laughs> here i am yeah yeah it's, <laughs> cra- it's crazy i was in florida a couple of weeks ago and it was 80 degrees and then went to seattle a couple of weeks ago too and uh Man, it's just like one spectrum to the next for me. Yeah. So, um, but whatever. <laughs> what uh, What were you doing in Florida and Seattle? Were you playing playing some shows? Uh, no, I I, uh, I worked for a foundation and concrete recovery or a restoration company in Omaha, and so I send out send me out and I do training and train guys on how nice. to install our products. So, Got it. I get to get to see all cert, certain parts of the world. Um, while I was in Washington, I did play. Uh, at an open mic in Olympia, which was nice, nice because, <laughs> hey, here I am. I'm, I'll play play one song at least. <laughs> no, that's that's cool too. So you get to, uh, you know, you get to kind of, um, you're traveling and then you're making the best of your time too. And I mean, because really, um, you know, whether you're podcasting, doing comedy, doing music, like whatever it is, we all got to try to make the best use of our time and get it, get it in where we can. I know, I know like for me, um, you know, music, and of course, podcasting now um, is really a big passion of mine. And it sounds like uh, music's a big passion and a big part of your life, too. So uh, it's cool that you're able to keep it and incorporate it into, into your everyday life. Oh, yeah, it's huge, man. Uh, just uh, trying to network and, you know, get to know more people. I've gotten I've had more opportunities come up because I randomly stopped, you know, and talked to somebody who was carrying a guitar yeah. than, uh, than I have, you know reaching out to somebody on Instagram or something yeah. like that. Like, Hey, let's play a show together. Uh, you know, yeah. so, um, it, I think it's important. And especially whenever I'm out on the road, it's like, I'm going to these States that, and even in the Canada where it's like, Hey, you never yeah. know, you know, <laughs> I may oh, find yeah. myself here with my guitar. So let's, uh, it was, it was, now. It was crazy. Like, uh, Jess and I, we went out to, um, to Nashville, um, Man, was that last year or the year before? Now I can't keep track of time; it goes by so fast. It was it was in within the last two years, and uh, I've been out to the conference out there, the foundations conference, and we do some podcasting. I mentioned in the intro, um, but the the second time we went, Jess came with me, so we got to actually hang out in Nashville, and and you know we went downtown on um, on the main main strip there. And, bro, it's so amazing! Like how many. Uh, people there are walking around carrying guitars like every single restaurant club or bar you go by and there's just a different either band or solo artist or um, just like I don't know the music scene it was was pretty pretty neat out there the other half of that is that it smelled and, and no offense to Nashville I love it but in, in the early morning it smelled like uh, like like piss and throw up from all the drinking that was going on yeah it's great Straight yeah. ass. That's yeah. what, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember 
and it's, this is a horrible story, but back uh, in my drinking days, that was my last experience really with Nashville was uh, going out, going out there and uh, doing a uh, co-write and recording um, a song with a girl that a buddy of mine had written for her. What's, what's a co-write? That's where you both co- you're co-writing the song together, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um in the, I guess, in the spectrum of, of writing lyrics and being a songwriter, sometimes whenever you're an up and comer like myself, it's easier to get in with somebody who's been doing it for a long, long time and uh, kind of get your name out there. And so he had, he had written a song with her and she was going to record it. And <clears throat> so we went out and she recorded it in uh, Jay DeMarcus's studio in Rascal Flats. Uh, he's one of the guys in Rascal Flats. So, um, they were at her, um, we were all, or she was at his house. They recorded there and anyway, long story short, I went out there. I, we had this co-write that I was going to do with a guy that I knew from Kansas. And instead of doing the co-write, I got obliterated drunk and, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, it was like, um, I remember waking up that next morning and I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, I, I was there yeah. for a reason and did not accomplish that reason. Well, dude, you know, you know what's so funny about that, man? And, I, and I've had a um, conversation with a, with a friend of mine recently um, just about, like, nerves. Like, when you have something to commit to, like a certain event or, you know, in this case for you, a co-write, you're going to meet with some people there – there's a lot of nerves that go on in something new like that. And it, it could be a, a you know, number of different things and whatever you're doing in, in life, I guess, um, even, uh, even just showing up uh, to the nine to five every day. Um, do you think like nervousness and anxiousness, did that have a little bit to do with it? Or was it more or less just like, I just want to party down and, and, you know, do the thing. Oh, you know, you know, I think you know how it is. It's like, for me at the time, it was like that, that came first, you know, yeah. Um, alcohol was was first and it didn't matter who was at that point you know I was getting deep into the alcoholism so it didn't matter who was around me or who it affected or what I was doing that was going to take precedence and um, you know and it was um, at that time it really wasn't a nervousness uh, I just think that it was so routine it was like yeah. I was getting more comfortable with where I did it and I didn't care who saw you know yeah. how I acted and everything yeah, sure. else so so it wasn't a big deal to me to get shit faced in front of you know <laughs> this guy that I respected as a songwriter because yeah. like hey man this is music dude this is what has to happen you know well, yeah and man I had I had that um, I had that con- uh, that perception of like music and the music industry and um, you know for a long long time too just kind of what you said like this is just what you do you you drink you smoke uh, you do drugs. And you make music. And I know just from an artist's perspective, I always felt like it helped me create better when I was high. And I think to some extent for some people, um, that might be true to some, you know, I, I know that I could definitely reach spots where I could get creative um, when I was loosened up and felt a little bit different. The problem for me, obviously, is that um, it never stayed at that. It always went 10 times further and, you know, led me into, you know, addiction and all that whole stuff. But um, like, so what kind of got you, so I'm, I, let me transition out of that real quick though. What kind of got you into like country music? Like who are some old, do, do you, do you have a love for like old school country or where did that, where did music kind of start for you? Um, for me, it was, uh, so growing up in, in the Midwest, in Missouri, my 
I mean, the local radio stations were all country. I, you know, um, what I remember back to is like George Strait, Garth Brooks. Yeah. Uh, my, my parents weren't real. Uh, they didn't listen to a lot of old school country. So we're not talking, you know, back to, to Hank Williams or anything mm-hmm. like that. That was just not, you know, my parents in general weren't musicians. So, yeah. um, um, so that's where it got started for me. And, you know, one of the earliest memories is like a, the first CD I ever got was George Strait, It's Easy Come, Easy Go. And then shortly after that, um, Pure Country came out. And so Pure Country, the movie, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I have. Huh? If, if you get a chance, it's, yeah. it's a great movie. Okay. Um, Pure Country, you know, watching that, and then I bought the CD. Literally, that was one of those CDs where I put it in. And still to this day, I know which song's coming next because I've listened to it so, so much. Um, well, <clears throat> things kind of changed. I got, got into a crowd of guys in high school that were more into metal. We listened to a lot of Nine Inch Nails. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, what about Tool? Do you like Tool? See, I did, at the time, I didn't like Tool. I didn't, really? I don't think, my, I didn't think my brain could comprehend what was going on in Tool at the time. Yeah. Now it's like... Now it's like child's play, I guess. Yeah. Know, I'm listening, <laughs> listening to bands like Between the Buried and Me and stuff like that are just ridiculously crazy. Yeah. But um, uh, so over time, I, I was in metal bands and I was a metal singer and and or more geared towards rock. But it just got so taxing on my vocals. And at the end of each show, show you could tell within you know that 45 minute span, I was just losing my voice. I wasn't yeah. properly trained. And so. Um, it came around about three years ago. I was like, you know, I, I was at the height of my alcoholism about three years ago and nobody wanted to be around me, you know? So it was like, well, well fuck you guys. I'm going to do this on my own, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. you know, out of spite, this whole country music thing kind of came together, um, funny enough. And so um, I was like, you know, I've, I've been a good songwriter. I've, I've always written uh, songs that people did enjoy hearing. Yeah. Uh, and I, my songs are more geared towards uh, relationship stuff and yeah. they sound country. They sound country. So it's like, let's just go in this direction and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I kind of uh, cut my teeth on uh, some red dirt country while I was living in Kansas and listening to uh, guys like Brandon Ryder or um, Sturgill Simpson um, and some buddies of mine that I played with, um, they were, that's what they were playing. So out of, you know, out of necessity, I had to learn some stuff. So um, <clears throat> that's, that's kind of the yeah. story. That's honestly how I got to where I am. with no, that's, that's cool, man. And so, so, but you played music even before you got into so much playing country. And then were you a musician and, and playing in those bands? That was before you joined into the military? Oh yeah. So okay. I've been, uh, ever since I was like 16 ish, I've been a singer at some point in my life, uh, in a band or, or solo yeah. now. So, yeah. And then, uh, and then what I'm assuming in, in, after you got out of high school, you ended up joining the military and you, you know, you, you I mentioned in the, in the uh, intro, uh, you served in Afghanistan, you served in Iraq. Um, what was, uh, you know, you want to share a little bit about that? Like, what was your job in the military and, uh, how, how did that kind of, uh, lead into, you know, the addiction side of things too? Yeah, man. Uh, so I joined the army in 2008 and I really, I was, you know, even before the military, I was drinking, it just wasn't as, as heavy and apparent. Uh, mm-hmm. 
as it became throughout my career in the military. So <clears throat> joined in 2008. What branch and, were you in? Uh, Army. Yeah, oh, I was active, okay. active duty Army. And um, so within the first year, you know, after training was all over, um, I went through – I was a tank electrician. That's, uh, there's nothing glorified really? about that. You know, so what you, what you see in movies, uh, that's not what I did. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and so I was a tank electrician, but they didn't in Iraq, we weren't really using tanks anymore. So out of necessity, I had to learn how to work on guns. Um, mm. and so went to Iraq, did that. And, um, I ended up doing more construction style work while I was in Iraq um, and so I'm writing a book about this now. Um, and we've, really? we've gotten about a hundred pages in as far as, uh, editing and getting into the depth. I'm trying to piece back where in my timeline, where did this start picking up and become, uh, a huge problem so I can help yeah. people more in the future. Um, and so in Iraq, you know, we got bombed all the time. Like every other night it was like mortars coming in. And it just became a point where it was like, now, um, it's not so apparent now, but stuff used to startle me more than it probably should, uh, loud yeah. noises. And <clears throat> I used to chalk it up, hey, pussy, get your shit together. Like, <laughs> like, and it's like, you know, that only goes so far before it's like, all right, I'm not this other guy that's not having issues with me, and yeah. so let's address this stuff. But I, I, I would imagine, though, like, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, because I've, I've obviously never been in Iraq. I don't, I've never experienced that, thank God, like having to deal with that high stress of bombs going off. And, um, like, you, you almost, I would think, you almost have to take that stance of, like, suck it up, pussy, like, be a man and get your job done because – it's almost like a, it would seem like it's almost like a defense mechanism in order to um, be able to handle that stress and to be able to go through that. You kind of have to uh, develop this calloused, like, you know, sense of, um, you know, sense of mind or, or attitude or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I think David Goggins kind of discusses that yeah. too, in yeah. all of his work, like, you know, yeah. And talking about Calcing your mind, getting making you stronger, um, but eventually you have to address that stuff. Um, and so, um, with with me, it was yeah, it was more of a, it was out of necessity. I wasn't going anywhere. Like Iraq wasn't leaving, you know. Yeah. So I wasn't like going to be like, well, if I've had fun, so I'm going to go home. But uh, no, <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. well, you're stuck here until yeah. you know you hit that year mark. And so I really didn't notice it until the night that I got home. Um, I was, uh, I stayed at my mom's house and she, I hadn't slept in like three days, I think whenever I got home and I had a panic attack and I've never experienced a panic attack before in my life. And I thought I was having a heart attack. So she rushed me to the ER and the, the doctors were like, have you been anywhere recently or done anything that's, you know, life changing or and yeah. I'm like, Oh, you know, I just finished a deployment to Iraq and they're like, Oh shit, that would have been nice to know before you walked in. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? Right. <laughs> And yeah. so they gave me, uh, they gave me some Ambien to help me sleep, which is horrible because I have an addictive personality anyway. Sure, sure. And that stuff's highly addictive. So, <clears throat> um, I got home and slept it off. Well, as soon as I was going to fall asleep, she had, my mom had closed the door and she said that I shot up out of bed and like tried to like approach her. Like somebody was, really? me. and I was like, what the fuck? You know, like I've never, 
had a situation where do you, in my do you, life. Well, do you think, is that from the Ambien? Do you think that's from, from the Ambien? I think, yeah, a mixture and of the two. Yeah. The, only, the only reason I, I mentioned that too, because when you, when you said that, I just remembered back, uh, Joe Rogan had Roseanne Barr on um, a couple yeah. months back. I don't know if you caught that episode. Um, they talked a lot about Ambien in there, about how Joe had had some friends, and then same with Roseanne, um, just doing the craziest shit and not, not remembering it in the morning, just kind of like what you're describing. Like you wake up in the middle of the night, like I think he was saying his homie would go out and he'd like make like a whole meal in the kitchen. He'd wake up, there'd be pots and pans and just shit everywhere. And, and then all of a sudden he'd, he, he wouldn't even remember doing it, dude. That's, that's a trip. So they, they prescribed you this. Um, yeah. And that's scary, bro. That's scary. <laughs> it was fucking, it was crazy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people were telling me, you know, like I took it for six months and um, they were, people were like, dude, were you drunk last night? Wow. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. And, you know, people were talking about like, oh, I remember like I was driving on this. Like I would go out and get in my car and actually drive. And wow. I don't remember any of it. It's like once I started hearing that stuff, I was like, I went to the military doctors and they're like, holy shit. Yeah, you shouldn't be taking this in there. Yeah. You know, they took it away as soon as as soon as they found out. And I, you know, probably at the time I, I was starting to get addicted to it. So it was probably yeah. good that they took it away. Were you um, mixing it with alcohol, too? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's what they talk about. The that combination. Obviously, I, I think it, um, it it can be deadly if I remember right in some instances. But uh, also, yeah, just the the effects of mixing it with alcohol just like enhances it tenfold. Oh yeah, I mean that. I think that that was kind of the thing. Was like you take that and you only have to drink one beer at that point yeah. because you're gonna you're gonna go from six to midnight real quick. Man, it's so crazy, yeah. bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So when did but, it start? Uh, oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So then uh, came home and honestly, I started kind of getting myself back together um, throughout that, that year. It really wasn't too horrible um, or starting to pick up too horrible yet. And then we went to Afghanistan and uh, I was, uh, I had a girlfriend before I left and we'd been dating for a year at the time. And I'm kind of detailing this in the book too, but um, we, I went through the whole deployment and we got very, very close. I planned on asking her to marry me whenever I got back. So the day I get back from Afghanistan, I proposed and, um, we ended up getting married about, I think it was six months later. Anyway, like this was the height of, I started drinking then. And yeah. this is whenever I was like starting to realize that I was getting way too comfortable with with uh, drinking in front of other people and, and really opening up to how shitty of a person I was <laughs> when I was drunk. Yeah. Um, and um, so she was, you know, she got to the point where she was like, fuck this. Like I want yeah, nothing to do it. with this guy. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, we were married. Uh, we still got married and we were married for nine months. Uh, I think that's a record maybe. Um, but uh <laughs> Hey, is that, um, but, is that with the, I watched the video, the Superman video. Is that have, is that related to that story or is that something totally separate? Uh, that was something totally just separate. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, um, she told me, you know, and it was, it was the, and whenever I detail it in the book, it's, it's sad, but it's like, it was all my fault, you know, like I yeah. own up to it and, but she had every right to leave me and she did. And, 
it was sad. And that's whenever my drinking was like, all right, we're going to do this full time now. Like <laughs> she's no longer in the picture. So there's nobody sitting, you know, picking at me telling me. I yeah. Can't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then two, 2015 rolled around and um, it was time to get out of the army. And so I didn't have a fucking plan. Like I had no idea what I was going to do. Like this is the first time in like eight years that I've had to make a decision for myself. Uh, yeah. The, the army had always done it. And so I, my buddy, Eric, he's like, Hey man, move to Omaha. I'll try it out. So I moved up here and started hitting kind of the, tried to hit the music scene, but I was like drinking so heavily that it was like, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, and so he, um, he was getting in and they put an article out in the Omaha world Herald that I think that's what I sent to you initially. Yeah. Great article, by the way, too. Yeah, That was good. Yeah. Kevin Coffey did a great job. And he talks about how um, I would be in the basement and I just would go down there after work and I wouldn't want anything to do with him or his wife. And he was like, you know, we did get to the point where it was like, I, I, I knew he was like, it's time for you to go. Like, yeah. Like I'm trying to like start a family here and you're fucking shit up. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, eventually I left. And then, you know, once I moved out and got my own place, then it was like, boom, we're doing this. Like nobody's like, yeah. nobody can look at me look weird. Nobody's going to tell them. Nobody's going to know, you know, like freedom. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was preparing to die. I mean, eventually that's wow. what it would have happened. Um, so I drank and drank, you know, I was plowing through an 18 pack, anything I could get my hands on every night, <clears throat> show up to work, still drunk, you know, yeah. and no big deal. Like, you know, it's like, nobody's keeping me in check. So that went on for about a year, you know, and finally I was starting to feel like my body's like giving out, you know, like yeah. it can't, it can't handle this anymore. No, I know, I, I, know uh, I know CrossFit's a big part of your your uh, routine, your life, and I, I do want to get into that uh, too, but I just want to ask real quick, was yeah. were you doing CrossFit? Were you still doing any kind of training? Like, were you staying in shape pretty much, or was this just like the tail end, like where it's like, uh, you know, I'm just getting after the bottle, and that's pretty much it? Oh, yeah, that was, you know, um, brown, bottle, brown bottle curls, I guess, is all the working <laughs> out I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And, uh, I had to walk my, my, uh, very large ass upstairs every day <laughs> to get to my apartment. So uh, that was about all the exercise you got was between the liquor store and walking your ass up the stairs to, to go drink and holding myself on the wall. Once I got to the top of the stairs, cause I was having <laughs> Yeah. Gosh, man. That's so crazy, bro. It, it got bad. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I wasn't doing any kind of working out at the time. It was just, you know, and then I got to a point where uh, I, the the breaking point was I had drank all night one night, got up the next morning and was like, well, let's keep this party rolling. Um, and of course, I'm the only one that's thinking this, but I think yeah. it's a great idea. So I plow through another, you know, 12 beers and I'm going into noon the next day on a Sunday and I'm fucking obliterated, dude, like crying on the phone, talking to Eric. I'm like, I'm going to kill myself. And wow. he's, he's like, I'm going to come get you, man. Like, and take you to the VA. And so, you know, I, I'm thankful every day that he did that because that was such a yeah. good deal. Yeah. Um, and he came and got me and him and his wife, uh, Rachel came and got me and took me to the VA 28 days later. It was just like, 
holy shit, brand new man. So, yeah, it's so crazy. That, yeah, that's when CrossFit picked up with after that. And that, and that was just about three years ago because you were about three years sober, right? Right around there. Right. Yep. Almost, uh, almost three years. Yeah, April twenty third will be three years. Nice, nice man. Yeah, so so yeah, let's uh, let's kind of dive in. And thanks for sharing that, man. Like that last, uh, you know, especially I always feel like the last year. That's that's usually a lot of the story that I'll share sometimes because that's that's really like when it hit home for me. You know, in those last like six, twelve months, like it's crazy how prog- like when they talk about alcoholism and addiction, like how how much of a progressive disease it is. Like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're just like, holy shit, like, who am I? You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, and then I, that's, that's literally what happened to me. I, it sounds like that's what happened to you. And I know it happens to a lot of people like that. Um, but transitioning into, you know, what life's like today, man, you've made a ton of, um, a ton of changes in your life. Uh, you know, you're, you're sober now, obviously. Uh, you're, you're going around the country playing shows, doing what you love to do. You got a solid job. So you're taking care of business. Um, what's, I mean, what's really life like for you today, man? And what's that recovery program look like? Um, you know, um, I, um, I really thank, uh, CrossFit for being kind of that AA program for me. It's kind of weird how it works that way. Um, but I, you know, I still, I'll, I'll jump into an AA meeting every now and then if I feel like mentally, I'm just out of you know out of sync yeah um but <clears throat> i uh started crossfit and you know i do that every single night um, of the week ex- except for sundays i take sundays off and every night it's like i go home and after the gym and i'm, I'm either writing this book that i'm working on or i'm playing guitar until you know i'm a night owl so it's like 10 11 o'clock at night <laughs> yeah. um, but life is very much uh, a complete complete opposite of what it used to be you know and as far as healthy decisions um and just like if if for some reason you know because i still have moments of weakness just like everybody does at some point you you come across the like last night i was actually thinking about this like i had a a bottle that i was drinking of and i think it was kombucha and i clicked and i hit the glass on my teeth and i was like Holy shit! That reminded me of a Bud Light bottle. Yeah, like, it's a crazy. Isn't that fucking weird how yeah. that works. Yeah. But, uh, so you know, I always have to be on top of those things, and and it's like maybe we don't drink out of a glass bottle for a week. You know, yeah. it's funny how that works, but it, it, <laughs> yeah. it's effective. Um, and so life is that, and, and just staying on top of of my health and fitness. Um, that's that's the major thing. Like that that's the one game changer for me was that. I dropped 40 pounds and now it's like, that's, that's the, all of my decisions throughout the day are based around how am I going to perform tonight in the gym? Like, yeah, as far as my eating and did I hydrate enough and don't have coffee after two o'clock and all, all those certain things. So it sounds like you're on a pretty, like, uh, um, a pretty tight schedule for the most part and and you kind of know what your normal day for the most part is going to look like. You have um, certain times that you do things, you're doing CrossFit daily. Um, You know, I think that for everybody out there, everybody's different. You know, some people do different things that work for them that might not work for the other person. The one thing I found, at least in talking to a lot of people and from my own experience too, is that the biggest thing is staying like on some sort of schedule 
on staying on some sort of so the schedule and then also doing something that you enjoy to do so like crossfit sounds like you enjoy to do it you stay super fit doing it you got i know crossfit i don't know a whole lot about it but i do know that they're uh one thing about crossfit is that it's a really tight-knit community um and so you have other people who are holding you accountable like accountability is huge um so like i'm sure like how, how big is that community in crossfit been for you um, it's been huge, you know, and I started at this gym whenever it was very small. There was under 100 members, um, and now it's starting to grow more. But yeah. I've kept I've kept that tight-knit community of friends that I had initially whenever I first started. And that, honestly, some of those friends are the reason why I have the job that I have today. And nice. um, and it's just, you know, it's a great way to network. And I've gotten, gotten a lot of my shows through the gym uh, from people that work out there. And just those people in general, you know, they're, they're good people. Like they, yeah. they, they're health conscious. They're not worried about going out and getting, you know, shit based on the weekend. So it's not like I have to compete yeah. with that like, or, <laughs> or that I'm around it. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, and maybe you'll agree with me, but just being around somebody that drinks occasionally, I'm totally cool with that. But yeah. it's whenever, it's whenever you're around somebody else that has a problem. That's yeah. whenever it's like, okay, it's affecting me on a personal level now. Yeah. You know, cause oh, yeah. I don't want to see somebody do that, you know. Yeah, well, and it's so, like, well, it's like we, can't hide, we can't hide from, uh, from alcohol. We can't just p- jump in a corner and hide. Like there's plenty of people out there who can responsibly drink. I have no clue how they do it. Uh, I can't do it. Uh, I have plenty of family, plenty of friends who still enjoy to have, a, you know, a couple beers hang out. Like I'm with you. I don't have any problem being around that, but it's like when it gets to a certain level where like the, you can, I can always see it in somebody's eyes too. It's like, there's this certain threshold. And then once that threshold is crossed, I can like, it's like a, this blank stare and I'm like, yeah, okay, I got to go. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. out of here right now. Yeah. I know what's coming, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be a part of, yeah. you know, the furniture on fire in the back. Exactly. So. Bro. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm, I'm gone. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too, you know, the longer, the more comfortable I get with sobriety and being sober and talking about it, the more um, uncomfortable other people get. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fucking nuts. But like, I'm sitting there, you know, and somebody's like, you know, we'll be at a, a dinner or something and they'll be like uh, ordering beers around the tables. And I'm like, oh, I'll just take an iced tea, you know? And they're like, you don't want anything to drink or ask, you know, something similar. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no, I don't drink which yeah. is no big deal for me. But yeah. all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, I've never had a problem with it. I mean, that's <laughs> always that. I know. It is, dude. I totally noticed that too. It's like, uh, and it, it, it happens more often than not where it's like immediate justification of they only drink on this day or that day. And I'm not judging anybody, but I'm just saying I've experienced it too. You know what I mean? And so I was like, yeah. I don't, I don't really care what you do personally. Like, right. like, I mean, that, that's, I don't, I don't care what anybody does. It's not my thing. I got my own crap. To, I'm all jacked up myself, you know, but um, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of funny how that happens, you know? And I noticed too, like when I, when I do say that and I try to, I try to limit that as I, I never go around to, Oh, I don't, I don't drink, you know what I mean? But it does come up sometimes say, no, no, no. You know, just like you said, like, nah, I'll have a water or, you know, uh, uh, Pellegrino sometimes I'll order whatever. But I also notice that people are really intrigued by it because I think deep down, um, a lot of people know, and they may not have a problem with alcohol, but a lot of people know that there's an issue in our culture and in our society with it. It's so, 
bombarded. We're so bombarded by pharmaceuticals, by alcohol, by stuff to alter our uh, state of consciousness and reality that there's, there's this little gut feeling where they go, wait a minute, like you're sober. Like you, wait, like, what is that like? Like people want to know what that's like, you know, and it's a trip, dude. I think it's starting to catch on though. Right. And that's the same thing with like, you know, you talk about pharmaceuticals and, and uh, just over the counter medications. It's like you're programmed to believe that, Hey, this will help. Yeah. Whatever ailment that you have, like yeah. use this. And I think people's brains say the same thing for alcohol. Like I've had a rough day. Like let's drink a beer to relax. And it's like, totally. there are better ways to do it. You know? Um, and I've, you know, I've figured these out, just follow the way I did it. You know, it, yeah. I'm not pushing that on anyone, but it's like, this is, this is what's yeah, going to come up. What, this is kind of what worked. Yeah. This is what worked for me. That's one thing my, my you know, my, uh, my sponsor and I talk about is like, you know, I'm only sharing what's worked for me. So that's right. all, that's all I really know. And, um, you know, as long as I stay in my lane on that, like I'm good to go because that's, that's really all I know. And that's all I don't know at the same time. Um, they bring up a good point too. Like, it's like, Oh, you feel like shit. Take this pill. You can't get a boner. Take this pill. <laughs> you can't, you know, Oh, you want to, you want to feel like, you know, more energy. Take this. Pill. I mean, it's just like, dude, like when, when does it come down to like, I just want to feel again. Like, just let right. me feel. Let me just numb out. Like, it's okay to feel shitty sometimes. It's okay to feel um, weird thoughts sometimes. It's okay to feel a little anxiety sometimes. These are normal feelings that, as human beings, we're supposed to feel. And if we're constantly numbing it out, dude, I'm like a zombie, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember after the VA and being on, like, antidepressants, uh, they were testing out different ones on me. And I'm like, I just like, I just feel like I could, I should be able to like approach this from like a, a way other than using drugs, you know? Yeah. And, and I do, and I'm not saying anything like people that take antidepressants, like get off of them. No, totally. like people, yeah. some people fucking need them, you know? Absolutely. And I'm just not, I just never felt like I was one of those people. I felt like I was using it as a crutch or an excuse. Yeah. And, and that's just my personal take on it. But um, you know, you talk talking about like ibuprofen here, take this for that, you know, sore ankle that you have. And it's just like yeah. in, in me anymore, I, I try to just like, no, like that's not yeah. how it's going to like, you know, and CrossFit in so many different ways too. CrossFit. Our coach is always like, well, you need to work on your, you know, your flexibility and try to work out those issues that you're having. So long-term perspective, yeah. like they're fixed rather than like, a temporary fix. Yeah, well, because cro CrossFit beats you up a bit, right? I mean, you're doing high intensity workouts, a lot of reps. Um, I mean, I like I said, I don't know a lot about it. I've never done it before. We have some friends who do it, and they're in absolute phenomenal shape. But I've 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 seen some of the videos of them doing it. And I'm like, holy shit! Like that is some hard. That's some hardcore stuff. Yeah, and people always say, you know, like, oh, I'm never going to CrossFit because I'll get hurt and all this stuff. And it's like, well. If you go to the wrong gym and they train you wrong, you're probably going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, like that's with yeah. anything, you know. Um, so, yeah, we do some gymnastic movements. And, you know, there, there was a point in my life where looking at a set of rings hanging from a ceiling, I wouldn't know what to do. And now it's yeah. like, I'm going to do a muscle up on those. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, yeah. like, who is this person today? Like, <laughs> So crazy. Totally new but, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, lifting some heavy weights and just – hanging out hanging out with some friends in the evenings and this is what we do instead of you know uh 
meeting at a bar. We meet yeah. at a bar, the weightlifting bar. Yeah. So <laughs> much funny as that sounds. But, yeah, my, my buddy Ken, he says, uh, he says, yeah, I'm gonna go to. Uh, or what does he say? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go pick up heavy things and then set them down. I'll be back later. <laughs> Stuff like that. Pick, pick things up and put. Yeah, them I'm gonna pick yeah. shit up that are heavy. I'm gonna put them down and hopefully I get in uh, some decent shape. You know. Yeah, lose a little <laughs> bit of weight in the process. Yeah, yeah. You know what I've been doing, bro? I've been talking about this uh, probably too much on the podcast, and everyone's cracking up. But dude, I got I got a mountain bike around Christmas time, bro, and I've been shredding on this thing, dude. It's been so fun. I feel like I'm like 12 again, riding a bike around, you know, just anything, Dude, anything staying active is good. Biking is, is fucking awesome for your body. Just in general, yeah. like you wouldn't believe that like, say if tomorrow you decided that, Hey, I'm going to go try CrossFit. Just having like that extra, like leg strength is going to make a world of difference. Like for oh, yeah. anything. Yeah. Cause you talk about, you talk about functional fitness. You talk about um, just being able to get up, from a chair without having to use your arms and just, you know, lifting your body weight up. Yeah. I, there's a lot of people that can't fucking do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're the same people that make fun of crossfitters. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can get weird. out of this chair, no problem. <laughs> so, and I can, you know, I, I can pull my own body weight up to a bar. Like yeah. those, these are things that make people uncomfortable and that's why they don't do them. You know, well, see, and, it's, I, I, th I think there's a really good analogy that just kind of hit me right now in this, that this, you know, CrossFit or mountain biking, getting in the squat rack, whatever, whatever it is, you know, like you didn't, three years ago, you didn't come in, you know, on day one or day 30 or even probably day, you know, 60 and was an amazing CrossFitter. Like you've put in the work, like you said it earlier, you show up every day, you put the work in, you stretch, you do all the things that come along with CrossFit and um, in order to stay in shape. I'm sure you probably eat pretty well. That's gotta be a big part of it too. Um, so how do we, that transitions into recovery too. Like we get the question like, well, how do you stay sober? Well, there's no magic wand that just keeps you sober. You, you put in the work. You know what I'm saying? You're showing up. You're doing. You're doing service. You got community around you. Um, those those types of that, and they're like really fundamental things too, like community, um, having a mentor or a sponsor. I mean, those are two huge ones right there uh, that that can really help, um, like kind of catapult you on, on that right path. I guess you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, and like, and this is crazy. Um, <clears throat> before I got. Sober. I was super drunk one night and wrote um, Richard Patrick, the lead singer of Filter. I oh. wrote him a message, and he's sober. You know, going on. I can't remember how many years. It's like fifteen. Hey, Philip, I'm fucking wasted right now. I just <laughs> yeah. want to tell you I love your music. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> so in a nutshell, good. that's what. Yeah. I, but I wrote him, and I'm like, hey, I need fucking help. Like, yeah. Like you've been through it. Tell me what to do. Well. He didn't respond until like a year later. And at that point I was already sober. <laughs> really? we've, become a, we've become friends now. Um, and um, oh, he, cool. um, he's kind of my sponsor now, you know, it's fucking really? crazy. Like this guy that I had a poster of on my wall growing up is now my sponsor because I was an alcoholic at one point in my life, you know? That's awesome. And, and so just, he's taught me a lot too. He's like, dude, you got to keep writing music. This is a way, this is your outlet for, you know, expressing how you're feeling. And just, you know, he, you know, he talks about like after shows, he's like, just go home. Like he, he's like, yeah. you can talk to people and, and network and all of that stuff. But he was like, at what point 
in your career as a musician has staying to the at the bar past your show ever got yeah. you anything good? And yeah. I was like, never. Besides, I got paid and I went home. You know, that's right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get paid, sell a little bit of merch, sh- shake some hands, a couple hugs, and then boom, out of there. I think that's a good yeah. strategy. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, now too, it's like I've got an AA meeting that takes place at the church just up the street from my apartment. And it's, it's me. I'm, the, I'm probably the youngest guy in there. Everybody else is like 60s up to 80. Yeah. Nicest, nicest fucking people in the world. Oh, yeah, like, sure. And everybody in there has some horrible story that I'm just like, you don't, you know, now seeing these people now, you just don't picture some little old lady that's like 90 pounds, like causing this much damage, you know, yeah. to yeah, anybody. But she, but at one point she did, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, and I go, I've been going to those on Monday nights now because I was like, I was going through a, a hard part or a hard patch, I guess, recently where I was just like mentally checked out and I'm yeah. like, I can't, I can't be checking out like this because people rely on me and rely on me to, you know, be engaged. And, yeah. and <clears throat> so I, you know, started going back to those and they work wonders really, honestly, like, and I never did rag on AA at all, but it was just like, I just never felt like it was for me. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people feel like that. And and I, I think though that the, there's, for me at least, there was a bigger thing. And I know I've, I've felt like that uh, plenty of times before too. Um, like in any program, whether it's like, you know, CRAA, uh, NA, Refuge, like you got all kinds of different programs. And like I said earlier, you know, some that work for some might not work for others, vice versa. Um, but like staying engaged and plugged in is so, so important. Like you said, you're going every Monday nights. Like I go every, I go every Monday nights to CR. Uh, obviously, I did do a lot of work on the podcast too. So I'm constantly staying engaged. But it's funny, um, my homie Shane and I, uh, he's another Shane, but one of the only other Shanes I've ever met in my life. But we uh, got up real early this morning and we, and we walked and we do this occasionally. We'll walk a couple miles uh, out here in Vacaville up this big hill called Wyckoff and uh, good exercise and some good, good chats along the way. And we were talking this morning. Do you remember that movie Heat? Oh, yeah. Robert De Niro. And yeah, yeah. one of the best, what a great movie. Well, there's a scene in there and, um, and him and I were talking about when, when you get to that point where, you know, it could go, you could, there's like that fork in the road. You could go right or you could go left. And right is like taking the high road and staying on, on point and left is going um, down. That's going to put you 10 years back and maybe you end up dead or in prison or you end up back drinking and doing drugs or whatever. Right. And I always feel like if I'm not, cause people ask me, well, do you still go to meetings? You still, why do you do that? You've been five years sober. It's like, that doesn't matter to me because at any moment in my life, that little voice up there can come in and it can fuck me big time. And it, and I'm so scared of that. And that's what happened on the movie Heat. If you remember the dude in the kitchen, he was trying to live a better life. He was, he was on the right path. He was doing a good thing. And, you know, shit got hard. I think he got fired from his job in the movie or he was just tired of the boss who was an asshole. He wasn't making a lot of money. And that moment of opportunity came in and the dude was like, hey, you want in on this or not? And he said, fuck it, I'm in. And he ended up dying. He ended up getting shot, you know? And it's like, I'm so scared of that, of that moment coming in where I'm weak and like, I'm I'm not staying plugged into my community and my recovery and stuff. And boom, like, that's all it takes. That one moment kind of takes you out, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy too. It's whenever you see it from the outside perspective too, as far as I'm, you know, sober at this point, I've been sober for three years or up to three years almost. 
And at any point I know that I could go back, well, I've got buddies who I grew up with who are now going through those beginning stages of they're, yeah. they're starting, they're starting to go down the rabbit hole, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm hearing their excuses. And I'm like, this is, I'm the last person you need to give excuses to, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah. I've fucking been there, man. Like, so everything that you're telling me, I know is bullshit. Like, yeah, so, yeah. and it's crazy, you know, to see it from the other side because you're like, oh, fuck, why don't we get it? Like, come on, man. Oh, yeah. like, it's simple, but it is simple for us because, you know, five years, three years, however long it's been, it's it's a day-to-day process. And yeah. looking at it, looking at it from, okay, what did I do with my sobriety today? What, How did I approach this differently than I would have if I'd, you know, been drinking or something like that. What's like, yeah. okay, I went to the gym. I, I worked, you know, I worked my job and maybe it sometimes even just like I had an interaction with a coworker that was positive And, and sometimes I, and I didn't feel like doing that at the time, but I yeah. got out of my comfort comfort zone in that moment to, to attack that because I know it's something I need to work on, you know? Totally. So, yeah. Now you, you, when you mentioned like you, you, you kind of brought up, um, the 12th step there, the the 12th step in service, like you said, you're like your buddy who is starting to be in the early stages of trying to think about it, figure it out. And I have some homies like that too. And we've been able to connect. And like, now I get to share with them, you know, what's worked for me and how like I was able to, um, you know, stop and what I continue to do to, um, you know, like, I, so I think my, my, uh, one of our, um, one of our leaders and a good friend of mine, Bill from CR, he said it the other night, he's like, recovery is, I don't just wake up. I'm not just sober today. Like recovery is like a lifestyle. Like I live this shit out day in and day out because it's, um, it's just what I do. You know what I mean? And then the opportunity to give that back and share with someone else, man, that's, I know for me, that's what helps keep me sober too. Oh, definitely. Um, I don't know if you, have you ever seen the movie, what dreams may come with Robin Williams? It was, it was a '90s movie, and I don't know. Maybe back in the day, I know what movie you're talking about, but I don't, I don't remember any any parts of it. Okay, well, basically, Robin Williams dies in the beginning. He's in heaven. His wife can't deal with it, so she commits suicide. So she's oh. stuck in pur- stuck in purgatory, and wow. he has he has to go through the depths of hell in order to go to purgatory in order to try to retrieve her, and. This is what I have chalked it up to feeling like whenever I'm talking to my friend. It's like she's in complete denial of where she's at in the movie. She thinks that like she deserves what's happening. And it's the same yeah. thing with my with my buddy now. He thinks he deserves everything that he's getting. And I'm like, it, to some extent you probably do, you know? And and you'll you'll come to terms with that later. But right now we need to address the fact that every night you're going through a handle of fucking Jack Daniels. Yeah. That, Eventually, I don't want to come down here at some point and see your skin start to turn yellow and that yeah. there's no turning back at that point. You know, yeah. um, it's the last thing I want. And, you know, it's trying to get somebody to understand that you can't do it on your own. That's been so, you know, self-reliant for so long. It's, oh, it's a struggle. Well, it's, it's, it's nearly impossible, man. And I've dealt with it plenty of times with um, uh, even my, my, someone in my family, man, like I can't. I can never tell anyone else what to do or what they should do or what I think is best for them. Um, you know, number one, nobody wants to be told what to do. And number two, like God's got a plan for every person I feel like. And, and that's, um, you know, that's, that's his job 
my job is just kind of to love them. You know what I'm saying? Like, just right. let me love on you. But <laughs> in many aspects, I'm going to have to love you from a long distance because, like, I can't have that toxicity in my life. And that's really, that's really the tough part about it, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I spent so much time, and you and I both spent so much time reconditioning our brains to, to understand that we can't have that thing that we want, you know, wanted at one point. Yeah. And now kind of kind of being around it if i were to hang around him like all the time it would i i know i would relapse i mean eventually it would just happen you yeah. know because because he's got the thirst to do it probably at some point would outweigh the rewards of what i'm getting now like yeah, yeah. And, and that's why it's fucking sad but it's the reality of it it's just yeah. and that's where you know like you were talking about with the it takes constant effort and constant work and i have to you know take these indicators or red flags and say I can't be a part of that. Like, oh yeah, right, right now, you and, know. And dude, some days like I wake up and I don't want to do the work. Like, I don't want to, you know, be in recovery. Like, as as, as jacked up as it is to say, like, there's days when I wake up, I'm like, dude, like I don't. Like, it's a it's a lot of, of work sometimes, you know. And I'm like, um, it can be overwhelming at times too. But I know, like, at the end of the day, like that's really what it takes, and that's kind of when you have other people around you to help you get through those types of things. It ain't, it ain't always easy, you know. Um, right. Yeah, I, we we just got a couple more minutes, man. But before we uh, okay. before we wrap this up, um, uh, you know, if 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 anyone out there listening right now, uh, especially maybe a veteran out there, man, you know, we always try to speak to our veterans, our in our active duty, or anybody at that, man. Uh, Nick, what advice would you would you give them? Uh, what can you share with them that's worked for you, uh, or or a, a word of positivity, man? Um, I think that the one thing I wish somebody would have done is if, if you're listening and you're somebody that knows somebody that's doing that, or if you are somebody like that, it's like, it needs to be brought out into the open um, because making a public statement about it is going, the only way that it's going to work. Um, if, if, pe if people know the life that you're living and all of a sudden it's on a giant billboard on the side of the road, all of a sudden it's harder to do, you know, it's harder to keep living that life yeah. and, and to keep, you know, just keep going. Um, when the, when the days seem like they suck and you don't want to get up and you don't want to do the work that it takes to remain sober or to get sober, that's the day that you need to put the most effort into it. That is, yeah. so those are such critical days, but those are, you know, those are some things for me. And, and honestly, it's just, you've got to make that decision. I can, you know, nobody's going to be able to make it for you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the one thing, just find somebody that's going to, that's going to help you out and kind of lead you in the right direction. But that's, that's good, man. It's good, dude. Good stuff, bro. Um, Nick Rucker, man. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Um, I know uh, Spotify, your music's on Spotify. Uh, you got the website, uh, nickruckercountry.com. Uh, where can people find you on Instagram? Um, it's just Ruck Country, R-U-C-K, then Country. Ruck Country. Um, uh, a Perfect Time. That was one of the songs I really dug, man. Really, really cool song, dude. I, I, I found that on Spotify, I think, too. That was a good one, bro. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people like that one. It was it was my more um, I guess radio friendly song. Yeah, so. definitely catchy, dude. Catch catchy tune yeah. for sure, man. Um, well, cool, dude. Uh, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I wish you the best uh, with uh, with the music, dude, and um, everything that you're doing, man. Recovery, all that stuff, bro. And and thank you again for your service, man. Uh, we we we, uh, we appreciate that, all of us at Sober Guy, bro. Definitely, thanks, Shane. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. 
Um, you can check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, connect with us on Instagram, at RealThatSoberGuy, at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Love you guys. Thank you again for the support. Peace, love, respect, and keep your blood clean. Say that I don't know anything about you Oh, I don't know anything about you But I know what you do in the back room And you still say that I don't know anything about you